Welcome to Fortune Favors the Fans, the Fans First Sports Network College Football Betting Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Macon, joined by my co-host, Chris. We're going to follow our usual format. We're going to start by filling you guys in on how we did last week, then heading into our off-the-radar games, followed by prop bets, and then the big games of the week. Um, but first, as always, we got to let you guys know how we're doing because we believe in accountability on this. And to be honest with you guys, not a strong week for the podcast. But you know what they say about gambling. Most people stop right before their big win. So we're going to keep rocking and rolling. Chris, I think you ended up just slightly ahead of me on the on, on the pick em by a game. But that's not much to talk about with how we did. What was your week like? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, we bolted terrible in the Power 5 picks last week. Well, I mean, we'll get into that at the end of the second half of the podcast. But with the other bets I gave, I mean, I did pretty well. I only had two bad ones, which was Texas State plus two over Louisiana. They uh, plus two and a half over Louisiana. They won by or they lost by four. So it was like it was close. So that is like the definition of a bad beat, right? Like, you know, you're you almost get it and you're watching the end of the game and they're they look like they're going to cover and then something happens. Um and then uh, Fresno State and Wyoming over 44, the exact same thing. The over they total the total score was 43. I was one point away from at least hedging that bet, but um, I did well elsewhere. Iowa, Purdue, uh, Iowa covered two points. Colorado State, Utah, um, Utah won that game, so they covered their two points. Uh, Michigan State, Minnesota over 46. Like I said in the podcast last week, Michigan is going to do that by themselves. They did. They scored 55 points, so they hit the over literally on their own. Um, so yeah, I mean, like bad on the Power Five, good on on uh, the rest of the bets uh, we made. But like, uh, yeah, how, how did you do? Yeah, I I, I was just awful across the board. I only had two winners this week. Um, I had a win on Alabama, Alabama over A&M. That spread was minus one. That game became a bit of a ref show towards the end there. And yeah. Alabama did some funky stuff in the game overall that really put A&M. I think they had something like nine procedural penalties in this game by the offensive line. So there was a lot of weird crap going on. And then I think they threw the ball with like a minute 30 left when they were trying to run out the clock. A lot of stuff like that that almost let the Aggies get back in it. But weirdly enough, I ended up ahead in the week. And that's because every year I bet the largest amount on on the Texas Tech Baylor game. I think it is a game that uh, it's a lot of fun to bet on. And Tech just crushed them. I mean, just absolutely yeah. manhandled them. The spread in this game was, I think, minus one and a half, two for Tech. And they just, Baylor was never seriously competitive. Uh, there was a couple of moments where Tech just did some dumb shit that let Baylor hang around even through the first half. The game was over as soon as it kicked off. So I ended up ahead on the week because of that bet. But overall, in terms of total bets, I, I was, I'm on a bit of a losing streak right now, hoping to turn it around this week because uh, it just has not been pleasant. Now, our next segment of the show is our off the radar games. These are the games that. You may not be paying attention to, but we think either there's good value or something to watch for. These are games that you probably aren't going to watch in prime time when they're opposed with something else that's a bigger game. But you might throw on as your B game, or if you really are the kind of college football fan like we are, they might be your C or D games. You really just hate commercials. Now, Chris, let's go to you first. What's your first one here? So I, I think I might just make this a thing. I feel like I do a Mountain West pick every single week. So this is going to be my Mountain West conference pick of the week. Fresno had a bad beat last week. They lost to Wyoming, like I said, in last week's podcast. Like that was probably the game of the year for the Mountain West. That is a potential um, uh, Mountain West conference championship uh, preview. 
Um, UNLV is playing a lot better than I expected this year. They are in the hunt. Air Force is in the hunt. Don't expect them to stay in the hunt, in my opinion. Um, and there's a couple other teams, but with with Fresno State, the clear, at least talented-wise, best team in that conference, them losing to Wyoming last week kind of like puts them at an edge or puts them at an interesting situation. So this week they play Utah State. Fresno's favored by five. I would absolutely take Fresno to take that. This is it's going to be in Utah, yes. It's, so it's an away game, but Fresno is going to have a big chip on their shoulder. They know that they need this win. They uh, they know that they probably need a big win against um, uh, uh, against UNLV and and Air Force moving forward. So I just think this is going to be like a tide turning situation for that program. So I like them, and I think they will show up. So I like them to cover five on that game. I'm going to stick to the Mountain West theme personally because I I was looking at this conference and this is this year is not really that up for debate. It is the top overall Group of Five conference, even with Boise State falling off. The body of works really strong for the Mountain West, uh, but we've got Wyoming is a ten and a half point dog to Air Force. Um, I think Wyoming is the best team in the conference. They took care of business against Fresno State. Were comfortable in that game. Really did their did a good work. Um, you know, I I've watched enough of Wyoming football now at this point to say it definitively. I don't really understand why teams can't put Wyoming away they're really really bad offensively and the defense I think is largely overrated but it, it it's one of those situations at some point it doesn't matter what you're looking on the field it's like the Iowa thing right like no matter what in most years as bad as the offense has been somehow we look up and they're nine and they're nine and three at the end of the year and everybody's just wondering what happened yeah. Wyoming looks very very similar they're up against an Air Force team that is very good now don't get me wrong but like you mentioned this is becoming a very hotly contested Mountain West race air force is the current leader in the clubhouse i think by most estimations we'll see if they can sustain it they're coming off a just absolute drubbing of san jose state and san diego state but 10 and a half against a team like wyoming that just frankly has a better schedule to date you know they've, they've got the win over tech they pushed texas very hard in that game in austin until they just ran out of gas air force coming off the bye week wyoming of course coming off the win over fresno state it's going to be a hot contest. I just think 10 and a half is too big of a spread that that's really what this is about. I think that this is a, a, a three point touchdown kind of field deciding game. It would, I, I know because of what happened to San Jose state and San Diego state, everyone's really high on air force right now and they're coming off the bye. They'll be well rested, but to be honest, I mean, San Diego state's not having a great season. And for that matter, San Jose State has not lived up to what they showed in their opener either. So it's it's not like it's that impressive to beat up on bad teams. Wyoming is a tough team, and they are especially tough to get separation on because of how they play football. And honestly, the Mountain West is just a lot of fun this year, so you guys should be watching this race. If you're wondering where we're like good group of five footballs being played, there's a lot of it, but the Mountain West is probably the top dog right now. Uh, what's your next one there, Chris? Yeah, um, and just real quick, Wyoming needs that game as much as Fresno State, so I could see, I could see Wyoming showing up too. Um, <clears throat> my next one is a uh, Duke versus NC State. Uh, Duke is a three and a half point favorite. Duke is a very good football team. Um, NC State is very mid in that conference. This is this is an at home game in Duke. They're playing. Yeah, I, I don't understand why it's such a close. Do you think it's just because because it's a conference matchup that's why the spread is so close? Like I I saw that and I saw. I mean, I I feel like I would all just hammer Duke on that one. Three and a half points. I, I think they'll win by a touchdown. 
Has there been some sort of update on Duke's quarterback? That's the only thing that I can think of with this. Um, uh, yeah, maybe that's it. I haven't seen anything yet, so maybe that's the bad sign. Uh, and maybe people in Vegas are just putting money on NC State because of that one reason, though. But they're uh, other than their quarterback, I mean, they're still a pretty well-rounded football team, at least in the ACC. I, I don't know. I like that pick. I, I think Duke is a good football team. And, you know, I like we were just were discussing, I don't know what the status is, the quarterback. I don't know what, you know, what it, I he had. I, the injury wasn't as bad as I think it looked against Notre Dame live. I think they came back and said it wasn't as severe as it was appeared. Um, you know, Duke, for its part, is just playing really good football. The ACC is a really It's it's a question. So I'm trying. What I'm trying to find right now is what actually happened to Duke's quarterback. But I I think there I can't find any update. Of course, they're coming off a bye. Um, the last time we saw them was a really really tough loss to Notre Dame. That has to be one of the worst losses in that program's history. Like if you're just asking me objectively, that had to suck more than for any other loss for Duke. Just bar none had to suck more than any other. Uh, but I like that pick a lot. Three and a half against NC State. I think they hammer them. Uh, so David Hale from ESPN, he's the beat writer for the ACC. He says its status is unknown. He's day to day, so he could potentially play, but, um, yeah, he's unknown. He's making really good progress. That's, that's the update on him. I I think if he plays, this is a game Duke wins by 20. If he doesn't play, it could be closer, but I think they're just, they're probably seven points better than NC state anyways. Um, moving on. I've got this one. This is the example of just like the spread so fucking big. I can't believe it. Indiana is getting 33 points against Michigan. 33 points is is a lot. And Michigan's a good football team, perhaps one of the best five in the country. We'll kind of find out how that race between them and Ohio State plays out. But like, you, you know, Indiana's not exactly. They had a tough week last week or two weeks ago against Maryland. Just really played poorly. Um, they lost. They. It's not like this is a football team I think is good, but 20 points to Ohio State, 7 to Louisville. Maryland was the first time they got blown out. They're coming off a of bye week. Michigan's got all the things to play for. I just think the 33 is just if you're looking for some potential value there, Indiana's not going to be in this game, but could they be within 20 points or, you know, 20 to 28 point kind of margin of defeat? I think so, just because it's the Big Ten, and at some point we're going to find out if Michigan is for real, it's not going to be this week. And we're going to have to see how much can they keep beating up on bad teams. For the record, it's not like Michigan State is not covering spreads. I think they've been covering more often than not this season. So if you're one of those people who's like, oh, well, body of work against the spread is something to consider, that's something to stay away from. But I think Indiana, with fully rested coming off the bye, can put enough juice together to at least push Michigan a little bit. They're actually a little hit and miss. I've looked it up. Like the absurdly like wide spreads, they've they only covered like one, I think, so far this year. Like the 30, just... 20 high 20 point spreads. Um, so I, I it's tough for those ones, I feel like. Especially with, with a spread that high, it's hard to be confident betting either way. Well, the problem with it is just like you gotta it, you gotta think about how bad do you think a team is actually going to lose? And when do you think the starters get pulled? And like how, what yeah. 
because we've kind of eliminated style points in college football with the playoff, right? Like that's kind of gone by the wayside. More or less, mm-hmm. the pollsters are ignoring, I think, style points in favor of a uh, uh, like presumed strength of schedule. So you know, if you don't, I mean, you can't struggle. But if you're winning by 28 late in this game, are you really going to push to get up 35 and things yeah. of that nature? So it's just tough to say. It's a riskier bet, but I like these really huge spreads because it gives a chance for you to root for a game that's going to be a blowout this will be one-sided and now you have a reason to watch all the way through the fourth quarter and sweat it out with your buddies all right chris i believe you have one more for us yeah so i have a late night chase for for um for you guys because i i was in a situation this past week where like we said we didn't do very well uh during the day so i was hanging out and i had not made it one a bed all saturday and i did a late night chase i the money line at in the middle or was it the end of the third quarter? One of those um, for, for USC was at minus minus one seventy five, And I just put a crap ton of money on it, hoping that they could win my money back. And they did. So in honor of USC um, helping me with the late night chase last week, I got one for you guys this week, uh, San Diego state uh, versus Hawaii. Um, like you said, San Diego state is not very good. Hawaii is absolutely horrendous. Um, San Diego state's a five point favorite. It is in Hawaii, which is an interesting situation because you're traveling the opposite way. So you're gaining sleep. So like, you know, a lot of teams like with especially in the NFL, you always kind of have to put the travel um, in consideration, you know, from West Coast teams going to the East Coast because you're you're losing sleep, but you're gaining sleep going to Hawaii. So uh, teams typically do pretty well um, there. And Hawaii lost to Stanford. Stanford's pathetic. Um I think San Diego State can cover five points. Um, so that's my last one. You know, I kind of rocked it last week with Tech and um, Baylor. That was my last bet of the day, and I put everything mm-hmm. into it to get that win. So I like the idea of it. I'll probably keep that one in mind. Um, I'm, I'm going to actually bet on Tech again this week. This is one of the few times that I feel good just good about tech covering the spread in a while. They're one and a half point favorite over Kansas state. Um, why I feel better about that besides the fact that tech has finally found a bit of an offense, an offensive identity that seems to work for them. And they are just playing really good defensive football at the moment. Um, you know, they, they haven't allowed in the last, I think six quarters, they've only given up something like 14 points. So it, it's been a really strong show, but Kansas state just sucks. I, I Kansas state's my letdown team of the year um you know the 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 win over ucf they had to buy everything to everything to still play for in the big 12 race and then they lay an absolute egg against oklahoma state they've got to come to lubbock it's a night game in lubbock uh, which is a tough very very tough venue to go play at the crowd will be back into it after a couple of wins this is a thing like if you had lost to baylor this would have been a very quiet atmosphere it just would have been but i believe this game is sold out or near sellout already and you've got coming off two back-to-back wins, uh, and, and Tech doesn't. There's no look ahead for Tech because the next game is on the road to BYU. So you're you're not looking past Kansas State. I just think that these these two teams are neither one is having neither one is having maybe the season they want. But I think that Tech is sizably better than Oklahoma State, and you got them at home. So this is a game that you know we'll see. Uh, betting on tech is always a bit of a risk, but it's one and a half points here. And that, that, that feels safe for if I just think tech is going to win and I do. So we'll see how that one pans out for me. Maybe we'll two weeks in a row, I hit that bet and I'll have to start betting on it more often. If it goes the other way, I'll probably never bet on the, on the actual outcome of the game <laughs> to the rest of the year. 
I have my uh, eyes on that one too, so don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I was. So this one opened. I think it actually opened the other way and got bet aggressively back. Wow. Crane. Yeah. Um, it's seventy percent now, according to DraftKings bets on Texas Tech. Um, there are there are a sizable chunk of the money line bets on Kansas State, but th- I buy that at plus one hundred five um, at a one and a half point spread. I would if you're betting money line and you're somebody who cares about it, you would bet Kansas State anyways. But if I recall, KSU I thought opened as a as a favorite and it just got a bet down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could be mistaken there. I just I I think that this is a good one and it's a fun Big Twelve game. There we're we're going to talk about the Big Twelve game of the week here in a minute. But there are actually a couple of good ones. West Virginia Houston, another one. If you're in the uh, of the Big Twelve betting mindset, that's kind of tough to predict because West Virginia is weirdly suddenly number three in the conference and Houston sucks ass. But does West Virginia actually look impressive enough to cover any spread? So there's a lot of intrigue in the conference that is looking extremely weak this year. Now we're going to move to our prop bet section. And as a reminder, we're include over unders in this section, just because the college football uh, prop bet world isn't quite as developed. You don't have quite as many prop bets per players as you do in the NFL. DraftKings opens the, offers the most extensive list that I've seen, but we do include over unders. Chris, you're up first here. What do you got? I found some props this week, dude. I I couldn't believe it. So I think what's happening is Vegas finally understands and has some information on college football enough to throw some prop bets in there. But um, this is the first week that I have three prop bets for for listeners. Okay, uh, USC versus Notre Dame. Caleb, um, uh, oh my God, why am I blank? Caleb Williams is uh, uh, there's a prop bet there for him for. Uh, two touchdowns in that game at plus 350. I, it's Caleb Williams. I just take that money. He is like Patrick Mahomes out there. He is going to be, there's a reason why he won the Heisman last year. There's a reason why he is probably the front runner now after last week's amazing comeback um, performance. Um, and he's going to be the best quarterback prospect we've seen in the NFL for 10 years. He's going to do this every week. Um, it doesn't matter how good the defenses are. Um, he's going to put up numbers. So Caleb Williams, two touchdowns, plus 350, take that. Yeah, it kind of feels like it, the you know USC has scored a lot of points this year. Caleb Williams has put up a lot of phenomenal numbers. Um, he was not good against Arizona, frankly. And I think that that is the reaction to that happening that he got out dueled by a quarterback that we will never hear from again, a guy who may not mm-hmm. even start. I mean, I don't know what Arizona is thinking, not starting the kid again, but I know there's a debate there, but he got out dueled in that game. But you know, I, this isn't even a belief. Do you think USC is better than Notre Dame? It's just, how is every USC game gone? They've all been high scoring. Caleb Williams has always, almost always been good in all of them and he will continue to be so. So it feels pretty safe to just bet on whatever his his touchdown total is going over. Um, my first one here is a true prop bet. And I don't like this bet for a few reasons, but I think it's, it's one that we might finally get. I mentioned the West Virginia Houston game. My guy, Donovan Smith, the prop bet is that he just has to score a TD on the ground. That, that is the stipulation. Okay. Um, for those of you who don't know, haven't watched Donovan Smith play football, U of H doesn't do it quite as much, but like his best and most defining characteristic is he is big as a house and very quick. 
for his size. Uh, he's a, he's just a tailor-made goal line quarterback, and I think he can fall into the end zone at least once in this game and pick up a rushing touchdown. You're getting plus 130 on this. Um, so I I don't like this pick because like U of H is legitimately that bad. I mean, Tech and U of H played earlier this year. That was my first full watch of U of H game. They suck. I mean, Dana's completely out of his depth. But West Virginia is not very good either and somehow is still, you know, where they are. So I think this is going to be a bit of a slog and Donovan trips and falls into the end zone just because he's like 6'5", <laughs> 240 and actually runs like a 4'6", 40. He's a big boy who can really move. So, you know, one one touchdown plus 130 odds. Screw it. I'll take it. Uh, okay, my next one. I'm sorry, listeners. I gave you false hope. I, I do have an overrunner in here. I have two prop bets, but I have no overrunner. Um, Iowa versus Michigan. Uh, overrunner is 45. I'm just going to ride Michigan again with the over on this one. Um, you know, you already had this game in with the, with your under-the-radar spread pick. Um, I think that... that um, or sorry, Indiana. I think that Indiana will... Um, do a little bit more offensively than other teams have done in uh, against Michigan this past uh, uh, this past season so far. Um, and Michigan is just on a roll. Um, Jim Harbaugh's back and he's coaching the hell out of that team. So forty five again, another low over under for Michigan. So I just like that was a big red flag for me. Like man, like I mean, if they're gonna keep hitting, you know, thirty five plus points, you kind of have to take a flyer on it and and see when they're going to prove you wrong eventually. So, yeah. I mean, Michigan scored a lot of points this year. Uh, there is a lot of reason to believe that, like, if Indiana scores at all, that 45 is too low. It's just a question, I think. Like, this is one of those weird disconnects. You have a 33-point spread in this game. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like to, do, to for be- Vegas to believe that to be the spread, you have to assume Michigan – with a 45 over under essentially blanks them. And that, that that's tough to say in this game. Um, you know, if Indiana even hits like 17 points, which feels maybe doable, then you've got to talk about busting the over for that spread to hit. So I like this pick. I think that's a good one. Um, speaking of over unders, I actually have one here. Um, Temple versus North Texas. Now, this is not the battle of the Titans that we're, we're talking about here, <laughs> but no. I, I've seen a lot of high college football spreads. USC has commanded some of the higher ones I've seen this season, um, but this is one of the highest I've seen, and I don't really know why you would just suddenly assume the over-under in this game is 70. Um Wow. Both of these offenses are pretty good. Don't get me wrong. But North Texas is coming off of a tough game against Navy. Um, Both offenses have been great all year, but 70 points is a lot. And again, this is just a reason to sweat a game you would otherwise not even pay attention to. Put a couple bucks on it. But yeah, 70 points is a massive over under considering the better offenses in college football usually sit at 69 and 69 and a half. This means like they are convinced this is going to be one of the most offensive orientated games, not just of the weekend, but of the season. And that just seems kind of absurd to me to assume. Um, We'll find out, though. A lot of college football games do break 70 points. So if this is really Mm -hmm. a shootout, it could happen. But look, I just. You know, you 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 score thirty five in this one. You got to hope your opposition does as well, and that's not always going to pan out. So we'll see, we'll see. But I I just wanted, I think you can take a bit advantage here, saying under seventy in what is a really unwatchable game. Otherwise, does Vegas think that like their defenses are like 
high school junior varsity teams. Like, I don't know. I mean, that just seemed up 70 points on that game seems fucking wild to me. Dean, um, I was looking into it to try to figure out, like, are these two teams just not good defensively? Like, yeah. is it all offense all the time? And when I'm looking at the scores of these games, you know, they're, they're, they put, they, you know, Temple's had, I think Temple's defense is probably a little suspect. But still, I mean, they, they, I think they've only got one game that broke, and it was UTSA last week, and mm-hmm. it just got over that line. But otherwise, I mean, North Texas in a similar boat. Like I said, they just lost to Navy like 24-27. Yeah. You know, otherwise, North Texas having a decent season, um, all things considered. Neither of these teams is particularly fantastic, but actually, excuse me, I missed I misread some of these scores. North Texas is, is not played well um, defensively. I think Temple's played better. I don't know. It just feels like you're assuming total non-defensive show. Nothing I'm looking at screams to me that they're just going to get completely blanked uh, or completely let just be like a turnstile on D. Could be, though. You know, Vegas, Vegas wouldn't have set the spread if they weren't looking at some of these scores against some of these teams and thinking, huh, you know, North Texas in particular has had a lot of games that have broken 70, Temple a little less so. Um I don't know. Just feels like a lot. I you don't you don't see it every day go over seventy. And but like I said, it's a reason to watch a game you ordinarily wouldn't care about. And to be honest, there's a good chance Temple dominates this game. Um, and if they do dominate this game, it wouldn't get to seventy on face value in my yeah. opinion. So, all right, Chris, you got another prop bet for us. Here we go. Last. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is my last one. So we're going to talk more in depth about this game coming up. This is the game, in my opinion, of the week. Uh, Oregon versus Washington. Uh, maybe. Some of you guys are FanDuel or DraftKings users and you want to do a same game parlay. Here's a prop bet you could parlay with the spread if you want to. Um, either team to score three straight times. Right now, for no, it's plus 250. I This is going to be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, I do not see either team dominating for at least a like you know a, a section of of the game like a quarter of the game and putting up three scores in a row i just that that is not a world especially these two offenses that are just high flying two of the best quarterbacks in the country just slinging it all over the field that is just i do that is not going to happen so plus 250 take that do the same game parlay have yourself a day um yeah that's my last prop yeah, the Pac-12 actually probably has two of the best games. You've also got Oregon State, UCLA in the yeah. same night, so it's it's a very heavy Pac-12 night for you guys if you're looking to watch kind of the best football being played in the country right now. We're going to talk in depth about the Oregon-Washington game. It should be a hell of a show. It could very well decide the Pac-12 uh, championship favorite. So, you know, it's definitely you're going to have to tune in. But if you're feeling confident about yourself with your pick, which one of us or whoever you take in the uh, to pick them down the line, it is a great parlay. You're everyone's going to be watching. So something to keep in mind when you're making your picks. All right. This last one is just kind of funny to me. So Wisconsin, you know, not exactly known as being a dynamic passing attack. It's a 10 point favorite against Iowa. Tanner Mordecai for Wisconsin's touchdown total is a half. That means Vegas believes hmm. he is not going to throw a touchdown pass in this game. He has not done it in several games this year, um, which is kind of crazy. When you look at Wisconsin's scores, there it, it's kind of a funny thing to say that like, ah, oh, he he's got to be throwing touchdown passes, right? Like that, he's got to be. Like in most of these games, we got to be throwing touchdown passes, but they're such a ground and pound offense still, and they they they're not a big score offense by any means. 
But, you know, he's just, I mean, he's thrown three TDs all year. It's just very bizarre that Wisconsin has uh, uh, three games this season where they've scored 30 points, and he didn't throw a touchdown in two of those games. So, like, it, it's just really odd, but I think he can get one against Iowa. I believe in you, Tanner. Get it done. My boy Mordecai is going to carry me to victory. I think Wisconsin covers that spread, by the way. I think Iowa is really struggling, and I think he throws one. Some sort of fullback in the flat, tight end release, something obviously not actually passing orientated, and he gets that done for you. But that that's my last prop bet, and I, I, I feel the best about that one. I think that's the most likely to hit. For the record, guys, I have not hit on pretty much any of these prop bets, so you know, <laughs> take it all with a grain of salt. All year, I think I've had two hit. I pick these to pick the ones that are the most entertaining and the ones that you can sweat the most. But that one, if he does not throw one touchdown pass, I may quit on that segment for the rest of the year and just go to over-unders because holy shit, one TD. Come on, bud. Come on now. All righty, folks. We're going to head to break. When we get back, we're going to talk about our Power 5 Pick'em Contest. We'll update you on the standings and fill you in on this week's picks. We got a pretty loaded week in most of the conferences. Not all of them. Not all of them. But in a lot of them, we got some great games and some good spreads. So when we come back from break, you'll have that to look forward to. Chris is kind of pulling away in this contest. So, you know, this is my week to try to make a move. back now like i said before the break we're going to talk about our big game first let's update on the contest from last week this was just a bad week for chris and i so um, bad. you know overall i think chris had was one in four i was somehow even worse than that at oh and five and it was just an awful week i mean everything went the way you didn't would the thought notre dame struggled wisconsin couldn't get it done over rutgers uh texas has one of the biggest um I think kind of brain fart moments in history playing prevent defense at there at the end. I don't know. I think they would have won that game only by like a point anyways, but mm-hmm. you know, two interceptions, just a bunch of stupid shit for Texas in that game. Just an overall bad week this week though. You know, the contest remains fairly close though. Chris has now got a more sizable lead. I sit at 13 and 17. Chris sits at 19 and 11. I've officially gone below 500. We kind of figured we'd end up here for what it's worth. We figured at, at just statistically betting five games a week, we would not stay above 500, but Chris is still staying above it. Despite the tough week he's got, he's eight above at 19 and 11. So he's still probably your friend in these picks. Um, Let's get into it. Another week, another another chance to get a big win. We'll start in the SEC. Texas a and is coming off a very tough loss against Alabama. That's a game that they probably feel like they could have won. To be honest, they got some help there at the end. I think Alabama, despite its mountain of penalties, was clearly better. Tennessee, for its part, is coming off a monster win over South Carolina heading into the bye week. That was a get-right win for them. They needed it in a big way, considering the letdown with Florida. They pounded two lesser opponents, got to the bye week. They'll get healthy and get ready to go. The spread in this game is Tennessee three and a half. Uh, it's, it's at Tennessee for the record, which is, I think, a bit of a game changer for how this works, uh, because I, I don't like AM to put it politely. I really hate AM to put it more accurately, but that is a tough place to go play in College Station, even when they're not as good. But three and a half at home. Chris, how are you feeling about this one? I, I mean, I, I just don't bet 
in favor of an A&M anymore. I think I did like two weeks ago with the Alabama game, but that was just because there were so many questions around Alabama at that time. But like over the past few years, I just stay away from A&M because uh, the Jimbo Fisher coach A&M team is just like the most inconsistent team in the history of college football. Like I just, they're always ranked like in the top 10 and then they go six and six or they go seven and, and whatever. Um, And it's, it's just, it's, Ridiculous. So I have Tennessee covering three and a half. The Florida game is looking more fluky, especially with Florida dropping last week. And, and I, I, you know, this is Tennessee's first real test of the season. I mean, I guess you could say Florida was, but it didn't feel like it going into that week. You know, Florida kind of pulled off that win out of nowhere. And then that made Florida an interesting team in the SEC. But after their second loss the season, it's not. So I feel like this is like their real first test um, against a real SEC opponent. And it's at home. Uh, they'll have the crowd on their side, and I think that they'll show up. I mean, simple as that. Um, and and yeah, and A and M again. They're just disappointing. Um, wh- what do you got? I got Tennessee in this one. Besides the fact yeah. I don't bet on A and M to win, uh, I'm I'm feeling better and better about thinking that A and M's just like an almost team. Um, you know, I think that Miami loss doesn't look particularly bad, but you know, the shit show crystal ball mistake at the end of the Georgia Tech game hurts their standing yeah, considerably. And to be honest, when you can't beat a reeling Alabama team at home, when they committed something like eleven penalties in this game and had a a turnover or two and just really did not actually play particularly well for large stretches. I don't know what, what you're doing because this is probably the worst Alabama team of the last 10, 15 years. And they gave you every opportunity to get it done. Mm -hmm. Granted, Bama's still Bama. They have tons of talent for days, but doesn't A&M is, aren't they supposed to have it? The hell else are they paying for guys? Like their payroll is bigger than some NFL teams. They spend a tremendous amount of money compiling that roster. And if we're being told that they don't have the talent to win, then what's going on out in college station, maybe time for a little bit of regime change, but Tennessee beats them handily at home. I, I think Tennessee wins this one comfortably. That loss to Florida looks more and more bizarre by the minute. And I think Tennessee, He's just a lot better, and three and a half feels pretty safe. We could come back. Look, AM has shocked me a couple of times this year where I thought they weren't going to get it done. They played Bama tight, but I, I just think on the road after a loss like that to Alabama, it's going to be tough. AM season's over. You know, Jim, it, regardless of what you think about AM, it, it, it is true that they play to win the SEC West and to play for national titles. They're not going to do that anymore. That's not going to happen for them with that loss to Bama unless some really weird shit happens. They've got two on the re- resume, so they're out of the playoff hunt. It the, 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 the expectation game is already lost, and Jimbo does not strike me at this point in his career being the guy who can hold that boat together. They've got talent. I think Tennessee's got more. Uh, that That's who I'm taking. Tennessee three and a half will be in alignment there. Mm-hmm. Our next game is not as fun. We've got the Iowa versus Wisconsin game. This is nine and a half. But it's interesting, Macon. It's interesting. It's number one. I think that this speaks to how bad like the Big Ten is. Number two, this game is like stupidly important to the Big Ten title race, which is just sad, right? It's sad that that's true. But as a result, the weakness of the conference is weak overall. Honestly, the Big Ten is just so unfun to watch. And this game is extremely important to the Big Ten race. Um, Somebody has to win that side of the conference like it had someone will play someone in the else in the big 12 title or the big 10 title either miss looks pretty it, I, I don't think it's unfair to say it's going to be ohio state or michigan on the other end someone has to meet them and take their ass whooping and go home 
Uh, and somehow, Iowa and Wisconsin look like the two teams that are likely to get that done. Um, Iowa, of course, we could talk to death about how terrible Iowa is. Wisconsin, of course, we could talk to death about how not good Wisconsin is. Um, the, 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 neither of these teams have played much of uh, Wisconsin's really not played anybody besides Washington state. Iowa's played admittedly a bit of a tougher schedule um, already having uh, Penn state on the sca- schedule and Iowa state. Neither of these teams I think are good. This is going to be unwatchable. This is going to be an absolute brain fart slog of offensive coordinators just throwing shit against the wall and hoping something sticks. Tanner Mordecai will throw for one touchdown. I think Wisconsin is decidedly better than Iowa. I've got the Badgers in this one, and I think they they I think they are their date with destiny in a thirty five point ass whooping down the line is coming up. But that that's just my two cents. I have no read for how bad that conference is. Makes it almost impossible to predict. But I think Wisconsin is the best of the little children out in the big 10 west yeah the line moved to minus 10 now um i it uh i mean for the for the listeners who maybe aren't like they maybe they're conference specific fans or they just haven't followed the big 10 this year so the big 10 split into two conferences in the east is michigan penn state ohio state maryland Rutgers, indiana michigan state in the west is wisconsin iowa northwestern minnesota nebraska purdue illinois if Oregon, Washington, and all those teams, the Pac-12 teams that are coming over, and USC, UCLA, if they weren't coming over to the Big Ten next year, I would be like, the Big Ten desperately needs a conference, interconference realignment, you know? like Because this is such a one-sided interconference situation. Like, I mean, the East is far better than, than the West. Um, so that's why we're saying this game is important. This is like a preview. This is going to decide potentially who in the big 10 West is going to be playing whoever t- wins out of the big 10 East. Um, that being said, Iowa is like so unimpressive. I mean, Wisconsin's underwhelming, but Iowa is so unimpressive. They barely beat Purdue last week. They beat Purdue by a touchdown. Not even a touchdown. They beat Purdue by, oh yeah, a touchdown and no extra point. They beat them by six points. I ever since the Penn State game, I've just been very off on Iowa. Look, I'm sure there's going to be like five prospects in the NFL from this team. Probably all three of them are going to be tight ends because it feels like every other tight end in the NFL is from Iowa. Um, but Wisconsin, I just think is is better, and I think that Iowa is going to barely score enough points to make themselves relevant in this game. And I think Wisconsin can cover 10. I think they could win by touch two touchdowns. Um, so Wisconsin for me too. Yeah, I think this is the kind of game like Penn State was good enough to just blank Iowa 31-0. Yeah. I think Wisconsin's obviously a lot worse than Penn State and will probably make this like a 17 to 3 game. Like that that's what we're talking about. Yeah. But the implicate this is like this is the crazy thing about the Big Ten, and we keep talking about it, is this is Arguably, I think to date, the game of the year in conference. I don't think yeah. there's been a bigger conference matchup yet. Um, you know, we're starting to get to that point where it's moving season. We're starting to find out who all the contenders are. And like, are, I'm not going to watch this game. I'm going to put money on this game and check the score later, but I will not be watching because <laughs> this is just going to suck. But I do think Wisconsin's the safest pick here. Um, I, I wouldn't watch this game if, unless I was very, very drunk and played a drinking game for every three yard rush. Like, that's there's the better only- games at this time slot, too. There's like oh, three yeah. better games at this time slot it's like not even worth your attention you've got i mean 
to be honest, like I'm looking at you, this game kicks off at depending where you are in the country, 3 p.m. Central. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a couple of really good football games in this window, and that what's crazy to say about that is like I'd I'd even rather go watch uh, uh like South Carolina, Florida, in a battle of uh, I don't knows the BYU TCU game. You've got the game coming up in a minute, which is Kansas Oklahoma State. Um, you've got uh, uh, and also in this time slot, Illinois Maryland, the Tennessee A and M game. Making you have three of our Power Five games of the week at this time slot. Yeah, and that's the, the, the besides like, this it, game. <laughs> I what's going to happen is YouTube Multiview won't give me those three games in an option, so I'm going to have to figure yeah, out how to make yeah. that work. But this this is like the best time slot. And other than Oregon Washington, this is the biggest game, right? Like mm-hmm. of the day, arguably in terms of conference implications. Um, Oregon State UCLA probably has maybe a claim to that, just because that's a huge game in the pack. But like this is probably deciding the West. I don't think anybody else in in, in in the West is worth the shit enough to challenge either of these two teams as bad as they are. So like this is it. And I like one person's gonna watch, and it's the guy in Iowa who's getting it on like his his uh his little like antenna TV because nobody else who has the ability to watch major football is gonna be watching this game. So but we had to talk about it because it is the biggest game in the Big Ten. It is one of the biggest conference games played to date. It's just an unfun, unserious football conference, folks. And they get $100 million coming up. Very upsetting. Uh, Let's talk about the Big 12 next. We've got Kansas versus Oklahoma State. Uh, Daniels, for the the record, is, I believe, an unknown at this point for KU. That is a huge factor in the fact that the spread is only minus three. Um, I think if he was declare definitively one way or another, I think right now he's at doubtful. I've read some places where it's a questionable that doesn't matter as much in college because it's like whatever writer. It's not like an official status thing. It's whatever yeah. writer using whatever language. But if he plays, three points feels like an easy one. Assuming he doesn't, Oklahoma State's really bad. And beating Kansas State was a shocker. I mean, just a shocker for a team that has not showed any life to date. Um, it's tough to predict, though, because KU without Daniels is a not good football team. Um, you know, that he was the I, I was never that high on the KU bandwagon, but without him, they are a decidedly not as good team. They did for the for the record. They're coming off a huge win over UCF. But that says as much as I think about UCF as it does KU. UCF fans were devastated by that. That was a blow. Um, but regardless, assuming that that UCF game is probably the best their offense is going to do, assuming the norm for them would probably be to score more like 30 points a game without Daniels. 30 points against Oklahoma State's getting the job done. I mean, that that that's reality. They have not scored. Here's a fun stat for a team that has played Central Arkansas, South Alabama, and Arizona State in its non-conferences. Three te- two of those teams are two of the uh, Central Arkansas FCS, Arizona State, who's maybe one of the worst Power Five teams in the nation. No 30 point scores at all. They have not scored 30 points at all this year. They didn't against Kansas State in a game that they were really in control of, weirdly enough. I got KU in this one, minus three. I think KU wins this one like 30 to 14. Yeah, I'm I, for you said all the reasons, all the points that I was going to make. I even with even with Daniels hurt, I still think that they can win this game by two touchdowns plus, and the line's only at three. I mean, they. I know it's UCF. I don't know enough about UCF this this season, but they they put 51 points on them. I think Oklahoma State if they're any better than UCF is just barely better. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I yeah, even without Daniels, I yeah. Like yeah. I, I UCF for record lost to Baylor in that wild comeback. I just got to look at how bad Baylor is this week because you know I don't watch a lot. That's of, fair. That's fair. I don't watch a lot of Big Twelve uh, uh Baylor football generally, especially when they're not good. Just because I I really don't like Baylor, and uh, they haven't played a lot of interesting games. I caught the end of the UCF game. I got to look firsthand of how bad that team is. UCF should be embarrassed to have lost to Baylor. That Baylor football team is helpless. And then to get pantsed again in back-to-back weeks, I think UCF really is that bad. But for that matter, I think beating them by 30 is a good sign. You should beat bad football teams comfortably, even without your starting quarterback. And they did that. Oklahoma State, there is a huge it, – It's a, the Big 12 doesn't have a race to the top. It's got a race to the bottom. Who's going to be the worst team this season? And there are a lot of teams vying for it. Oklahoma State, Baylor, UCF, Houston, uh, uh, Cincinnati, Iowa State. All of them are waste, racing for the worst team in the conference. I think Oklahoma State has as good of a claim to it as anybody. KU's going to get this one done. Um, we're going to move on now to the ACC. This is an interesting matchup in the ACC. We talked about Duke a bit earlier. We didn't use that game because we got a huge one in the ACC race, which is Miami versus UNC. If you somehow have been living under a rock, you missed Miami's one of the dumbest decisions in all of college football, <laughs> the decision to run the ball when they could have kneeled out the game. As a result, Georgia Tech would recover a forced fumble and beat Miami on. Granted, despite how dumb that call was, it still took a Hail Mary at the last minute for Georgia Tech to get that done. I think that makes it funnier that it it took like two really boneheaded football moments for them to lose. But it, it what, that is one of the, the, the worst losses you could possibly imagine. Uh, UNC is a three and a half point favorite. North Carolina is having a good season. Um, you know, this, this is a football team that's well coached. We know that about Mac Brown teams. They just smashed the orange. They're unbeaten to date. Um, their biggest challenge was App State, which was a two overtime game. This is why power five teams are going to stop scheduling App State because like that happens every year. Otherwise, they've been comfortable in pretty much every game. Crush Pitt, crush Minnesota, crush South Carolina. Uh, they've already had their bye. Miami is reeling. North Carolina is looking like a top dog in the ACC. It's three and a half. This game is in Chapel Hill. Who do you got here, Chris? This game's in Chapel Hill. I don't, I mean, yeah, three and a half. Uh, I'm taking that. I'm taking UNC. They're consistent. They're good. I think Drake May is going to lead them to through this game. Um, they're a well-coached football team. They're, they're in, I can't wait to watch them play Florida State because this is going to be a fun game. But Miami's just too inconsistent. Ever since Mario Cristobal went to Miami, he's been like the most insistent head coach there. I mean, like, ev- like the year, the first year he went there, they were ranked like top twenty, I want to say, and they had the, some of the dumbest losses this season that just catapulted them down the rankings. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't trust Mario Cristobal at the head of Miami. I don't bet on Miami because of that reason. So UNC, they have proved to me this season that they can do it. So I, UNC, I think they can cover three and a half. Yeah, I'm taking North Carolina here as well because look, like the the loss to Georgia Tech, how it happened is covering up the fact that like they were not comfortably better than Georgia Tech. Yeah. Who's coming off of before that week, lost by 11 to Bowling Green, only wins are Wake Forest, who is helpless without Sam Hartman, and South Carolina State, who is an FCS team. They lost to Louisville. That was a tight contest, but week one games are kind of a mess. Got beat handily by Ole Miss, and I I mentioned the Bowling Green loss. It's not good to be competitive with Georgia Tech. And like Miami was in a dog fight with Georgia Tech. So I think North Carolina 
that was the example of like good teams, truly good teams, truly great teams win that football game for Miami, right? Like that that's the testament of like great football teams is when you're not playing your best, can you get it done? To lose that game demonstrates that there this is just not a well coached great Miami team. The reason why the spread is what it is is because the body of work for Miami is so strong. Miami of Ohio is having a great year. They beat them, crushed them, took care of business against AM. They played Boston College, or not Boston College, BCU, which uh, is that Boston College? No, it's something different. Bethman, Bethune Cookman, that's right. Oh, okay. um, <clears throat> yeah, isn't Boston College just BC? Well, the other, the other BC, uh, and then they crushed Temple. Yeah. So the body of work is really strong for Miami, but this is on the road against a North Carolina team that's looked comfortable since App State, has played well in every game, is better coached, better prepared. I think that this is a no-brainer North Carolina pick. Um, and you mentioned it well. First of all, teams have a way of just disappointing. He did it at Oregon too, right? Like they were never quite as good as they were supposed to be. And that was ultimately why he's no longer with the Ducks. Well, they would lose. They would just lose big games. So, like, they wouldn't be as inconsistent as he has been with Miami. Like, in Miami, they lose big games. They also lose stupid games. But, like, in Oregon, he had just so much talent because Oregon is just, like, a recruiting machine, just the brand itself, which, you know, was built up over years, Chip Kelly and all those guys. So he would – but he would lose the big games, like, just get obliterated. Like, I mean, uh, Georgia two years ago just being, like, completely blown out. You know, like, he would just lose games like that. Yeah, and that's, like, that's – I just think, you know, you're talking about two coaches who – are going head to head. You got Mac Brown who look, he's had his own demons, right? Like I watched those Texas years when he faded out, there was a lot of laziness to how he coached, but you're talking about which coach do I think is better and who's the better team. I think North Carolina at home is pretty safe. I've never been to Chapel Hill. Uh, I've never had the pleasure of visiting that venue. So I don't know much about that home atmosphere. Um, the game is at night. I'm imagining it's going to be pretty freaking loud on at 630, even in North Carolina. I don't think that's a very big venue, maybe 50, 60,000 max. Um, but th- those nerds are going to go party hard and they're going to have a good time. Uh, watching North Carolina, I think fairly comfortably beat Miami. And even in a dogfight, you just got to get past three and a half. Now, the game of the day, and therefore the game of the week, I I guess now at this point we got to say that because there are games all throughout the week in college football, including right now there are two games going on. Um, Great time of year, Macon. Great time of year. Oh, it's fantastic. I think it's somebody did the math. It's something like 49 straight days without a day where there isn't some sort of football game. So oh, it's yeah. the best time of the year. We, we finally reached the magic point. We got, you know, your midweek group of five action. You got your Thursday, Friday night, uh, power five teams looking for uh, TV windows. It's a lot of fun. Um, this game, though, is going to be massively important. We talked about it. The 230 window has pretty much every big game this week. I recommend you finding multiple TVs, YouTube, multi-view, something that lets you watch more than one at once. Oregon, Washington. Now, Washington is the favorite in this game. And I, I think that's a fair statement to say. Just it, it's not crazy to me that that's true. It's in Washington. It's in Seattle. It's in it's in Washington. They've looked really good. I think that they probably I mean, it's kind of tough to say because Washington and Oregon have both had. I think really both of them have had one game where they have struggled um, and both have otherwise looked very, very good. Um, these are two of the best teams in the country. Washington is the three-point favorite. Last time out, Washington coming off its bye, I think also helps this. They really struggled with Arizona. I mean, just really struggled. It was a very tight contest, won that game by a touchdown. Oregon, for its part, 
is having another great year. Their toughest game to date was that Tech game on the road in Lubbock. Otherwise, they've been in cruise control. They're also coming off their bye week. But before the bye, they played Stanford, who is just pitiful. Just just pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. Um, and the week before that, the one you everybody is familiar with, they crushed Colorado. So two really good football teams led by two Heisman competing quarterbacks and Panics and uh, Knicks. Uh, this has got the makings of a hell of a fight, and th- this is going to be a back-and-forth affair we were talking about. I struggled with this one more than any of the others, figuring out which Same. way it's going to go. Uh, Chris, Pac-12 countries, your backyard. Who are you going with here? So this game is hugely important, uh, obviously, to both teams, but it, it it is more important to Washington because of the schedule they have coming up. So Washington has, after this, Arizona State and Stanford, so they have a little bit of relief, but they end the season at USC – home versus Utah at Oregon state home versus Washington state. So they have four of the big five or yeah, four of the big five in the conference, the last four weeks of the season. So this game is crucially important because there's going to be no relief left. If they lose this game, they have to win out the rest of the season in order to probably make a, convincing bid depending on what Oregon what Washington State what Oregon State does Oregon State Washington State both have a loss in the Pac-12 on their record though so it 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 gives Oregon and Washington a little bit of an edge over them in terms of that and then Oregon you know they they play Washington and they play Washington State the following week they play at Utah the following week they have some relief against Cal at home then they play USC at home then they're at Arizona State, and then they finish off the season with the rivalry game at home against Oregon State. So they have a little bit of relief to where they can regroup in between these big games. So that being said, the line is very high, eight eight points. I get why it's in Seattle. Um, it's sitting at three. Oh, it's sitting at three? Oh, maybe I'm sorry. I had the wrong one. My bad. Um, anyway, it's at three. Either way, um, I've been on Oregon all season, and I'm sticking with Oregon. So I have Oregon to cover the spread, but I also think that Oregon will will win this game and it'll be another crazy Pac-12 game. It'll be going to overtime or double overtime. Some weird stuff's going to happen because these big games in the Pac-12, something weird always does happen. So I like Oregon. Um, is this going to be the one game that we split this week, Megan? Or do you have Washington or are you going Oregon? No, see, and that's that's the crazy thing about us. I think we're going to be in lockstep because I took Oregon for similar reasons. But the real reason is, you know, that Arizona contest shook my confidence a little bit yeah. in Washington. Because Arizona's not a good football team. Now, Arizona just pushed USC. Um, so maybe they are just trying to be giant killers and quite, can't quite get it done. Um, Oregon has just been very comfortable in most of their games and they've looked very comfortable heading into a bye week to regroup, get ready for this game. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned, this game has Im- massive implications for both teams. It's a question of, I think it comes down almost to uh, who's more ready for the limelight, you know, like which one of these programs is truly ready to step out on the big stage and say, I am, you know, a top four team. Cause the crazy thing about this is I think these two teams are two of the best teams in the nation. Neither one of them's in the top five. This is the seven, eight matchup, which is just, I, I think proves that people aren't watching a lot of Pac-12 football because I, I, there is not better football being played right now in the country. Um, you, you cannot tell me that these two teams couldn't beat pretty much anybody. And I include the ranks of Georgia and Ohio state in that mix. So to, to have both of them on the outside looking in is just hard to understand. But this is a moment where one of these two programs is going to say, like, I'm for real. This is my year to compete for a national title. This is the Pac-12's year to do it. Granted, being the Pac-12, 
somebody will cannibalize it and they'll end up out of the playoff anyways. But I got Oregon in this one. I just, you know, I'm, I watched both teams play a bit. You know, I've watched a lot more Oregon football, obviously. It's really, really, really tough to say for certain what's going to happen here. This is going to be a crazy game. Um, the, if you haven't been to Washington, it's a beautiful venue um, right on the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is a really interesting design stadium, very vertical. Uh, uh, one of those like huge kind of like big window pane stadiums that just goes up and up forever. Hell of an environment out there. Uh, I, I don't know what the weather's going to be like. Both these teams, of course, used to the cold, but if it's a little wet, um, that could really throw kind of a, a fucking loophole in how this It's the Pacific played. Northwest, though. Both these teams are used to playing in rain. It's raining. But it's raining you got two teams that are living and dying with a passing attack. Right? Yeah, like, that's Oregon's true. Oregon's had no true. rushing attack really to date. I don't think Washington's had much of any either, which means you got to go to your B game. I mean, these guys are used to playing Damn. in it, but if it's raining, you can't make balls not wet. Um, and, you know, I, I just it's going to nerf the passing games. I, I don't think it's in the forecast. I, I would certainly look into that before I bet on this game if I were you guys out there to see what's going to happen because that if you're somebody who's like ah Washington's clearly better out Oregon's clearly better throw a little weather into this shit and this one can get really weird you know like this could this is going to be an intense matchup but I think I think Oregon's going to get this done outright I think they they are going to win this game and what should be one of the better games of the year um it's the Pac-12 though so who the hell knows what will actually happen this is the one to watch you we got a lot of games at 230 and if you're wondering, like, if you're the person who consumes one game at a time, one, not really my thing, but if you are one of those people, one of those odd ducks, this is the one I'd have the TV on. Um, fortunately, the Pac-12 didn't screw us by sticking this one on the network. We've had way too many good Pac-12 games buried on the Pac-12 network. This is ABC at 2.30. It's going to be the A broadcast team. It's going to be a hell of a show. Um, yeah, there's no way ESPN or Fox were going to bury this game. There's no, absolutely no fucking way. <laughs> well, you say that, but then you got, I mean, I know a lot of those things are planned so far in advance, but last week weren't like both of the best games put on the Pac-12 yeah, network? They were at weird times though. It's just, you know, they're going up against I mean, uh, some of those, some of those games were going up against like, you know, the ESPN game of the day, the college game of the game of the day. And, you know, yeah, that's conferences true. with bigger, just TV fan bases. That's the thing here is you've got really big, really big, sizable portions of the country that will not be watching this game because Tennessee A&M's playing, because uh, some of these other big matchups playing. I I think we had KU Oklahoma State, not quite as important to that, but one of our others was also in that window. I think Iowa, Wisconsin was in that window too. So so you've got a lot of the guys of the country elsewhere. So, But thankfully, this will be primetime. Everybody's going to be able to watch it. Everybody's going to be able to to enjoy this one. Like I said, I'd have this game on. If this is my game that you're watching during this time slot, this is the one to watch uh if you're a fan of either of those teams enjoy that it's going to be a lot of fun um that'll bring us to the end of our show chris any final thoughts on this week seven uh no i mean i i'm just uh i'm just pumped for oregon washington i'm not gonna lie yeah like you said i'm a pac-12 guy so pac-12 is my backyard and i just can't wait i'm i'm gonna be up north for a wedding um and uh weddings on friday thank god saturday i'll be puddle up at some bar somewhere with some friends checking this game out so it'll be fun yeah and don't don't sleep my my only note is don't sleep in oregon state ucla um i think that's another great game that we didn't really talk much about but that that there's also the spread there is kind of interesting depending on which way you lean on the ucla thing i can't figure out ucla to save my life and it's one of the reasons i don't touch it um for my neck of the woods in the big 12 country i think that there are a lot of interesting games this week from 
not a particularly good standpoint, but because there's a lot of interesting games being played, the race is ongoing. Um, you know, o- OU is probably definitively your champion at this point, just because they're not going to play anybody else who's worth a shit. I mean, look at the schedule. It's a joke. Um, Texas will be challenged a couple of more times this year. We'll likely drop another game. But I really like this BYU-TCU game. Um, I think I think we're sleeping on BYU a bit at this point, and we're maybe a little overhyped on TCU still, despite the fact I think Chandler Morris is out. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing, reason, to, uh, reason to see a five-and-a-half-point spread uh, in favor of the Frogs. You know, I, that seems a little bit much for me. So if you're wondering where else where else could you go, that's where I'd go. Uh, but enjoy it, folks. We've got about a, over a month straight of football every day. So keep your TVs on. Find, upgrade your plans to get more channels, whatever it is you need to do to get more games on. There's a lot of them being played, NFL and in college. We'll be back next week to recap how we did and get you guys set up for week eight. As always, I was making joined by Chris. Thank you guys for listening. Like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is on whatever major podcasting platform you listen to. We'll be there, and we're a part of the Fans First Sports Network college feed. So be looking for that specific feed. This podcast does not have its own specific channel. Um, So it gets delivered to there and to the Fans First Twitter account. We'll put it out in their Facebook page. You'll also see a lot of other great college football podcasts on that feed, so be looking for that. All righty, folks, enjoy the rest of your weekend. There's games. We're recording this Wednesday. There's games, I believe, tomorrow and Friday to be watching, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Enjoy the long month plus football ahead.